Sanctification is an ongoing work by the power of the Holy Spirit and involves every aspect of our lives. In this episode, we'll learn what it means to be sanctified and how to experience consistent progress in the process of sanctification. In recent episodes, we talked about the fact that learning to walk in obedience to Jesus is a process. The process begins when we receive God's gift of salvation, and it progresses as we consistently respond to the Holy Spirit working within us. Some people refer to this process of responding to the Holy Spirit's work as the sanctification process, the process by which we are continually transformed by Christ into His likeness. To be sanctified means to be purified from sin and consecrated to the Lord. Or in other words, separated from sin and set apart to Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. God wants each of our lives to be sanctified or set apart, similar to the way we set apart our things for greater purpose. For example, I don't own a lot of shoes. But I do have one pair that I set aside to be used specifically for special dressy occasions. I understand that if I expect to use these shoes for such occasions, that means that I can't also use them for other purposes, such as mowing the yard or hiking in the park. If I were to wear the shoes while I mow, they would become dirty and stained. If I were to wear them while hiking, they would get scratched and marred. Using the shoes in these ways would render them useless for their intended purpose. See, in a similar way, God sets the lives of His disciples apart from the world to be used to reflect His likeness to the world. But if we allow our lives to be tainted by the world's standards and practices, it will hinder our ability to fulfill God's intended purpose for us. Imagine the God of the universe designed your life to be set apart for His eternal purposes. Now that's purposeful living. If we consider 1 Thessalonians 4.3 in its greater context, it's a good example of God wanting to involve us in the process of sanctification. So let's look at this passage together, beginning with 1 Thessalonians 4.1 and 2. It says, Brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Paul was writing here to believers to encourage them to not only continue to live in obedience to Jesus, but to do so in increasing measure. It is after that instruction that he tells them in verse 3 that it is God's will that they should be sanctified. Then notice in the following verses how he reveals their choice to respond to God's command. I'm picking up here with verse 3 and also reading verse 4. Paul said to them, You should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. First, I want you to notice the picture of sanctification in this passage. It said that we should each avoid sexual immorality. In doing so, we're setting ourselves apart from sin. And it said that we should each learn to control our body in a way that is holy and honorable to Christ. Living in a way that is holy and honorable is setting ourselves apart to God. 
Did you also notice the required response on our part to this process? The Bible instructs each of us to avoid sexual immorality because no one can avoid sexual immorality for you. It is an intentional, individual choice to avoid sin. Then the passage says that we should each learn to control our body in a way that is holy and honorable. None of us can live in a way that is holy apart from the work of God in our lives. To learn to control our body in a way that is holy is to continually practice allowing the Holy Spirit to overrule our human desires. Now let's return to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and read together verses 7 and 8. It says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. Clearly, Christ Jesus saved us so that we would develop a life of holiness. We develop holiness as we accept, rather than reject, the control of God's indwelling Spirit. Please don't miss this. Our holy, all-powerful, gracious God is also a gentleman. He will gladly provide us with everything necessary to overcome sin and live a life pleasing to Him. But He's not going to make us do so. Sanctification requires our participation, and our continual involvement in the process keeps us in close relationship with Jesus. As we increasingly allow the Lord to control our lives, we look more and more like Christ and become increasingly effective in influencing others for His kingdom. In John 17, 15-18, Jesus is speaking to God the Father concerning us, His disciples. He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We see here that God wants each of us to influence this lost and dying world for his kingdom. That means that we can't afford to isolate ourselves from the world. Think about it. If we isolate ourselves from people who don't know Jesus, how can we expect to influence them for him? On the other hand, if we live in the world, yet allow ourselves to be influenced by the world's standards, then we'll lose any spiritual influence because our lives will fail to reflect Christ. In order to successfully influence others for Christ's kingdom, we must be able to affect the world without being affected by it. That means that we must be able to draw lines in our lives that set us apart for righteousness so others will see Christ's transforming work in us and become drawn to Him. So how do we draw such lines in our lives? Well, the world has led us to believe that things which appear to be good may also be godly. But God doesn't want us to merely settle for good or even better than. God wants His absolute best for us. He wants us to pursue those things that will develop His godliness in us. In John 17, 17, Jesus said that believers are sanctified by the truth of God's Word. That means that if we truly want to grow in the sanctification process, we will allow God's Word, His truth, to be the dividing line between good and godly behavior. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Sanctification begins with a mindset that desires to intentionally follow truth. We progress in the sanctification process as we learn to distinguish the lies presented by the world from the truth of God's Word. Then we practice obeying God's Word by laying down old selfish desires and sinful habits and by replacing them with new ones that reflect Christ. Consider this. When we wear something that no longer fits us well, we feel awkward or uncomfortable, don't we? In a similar way, God's Spirit makes us uncomfortable concerning old habits and behaviors because they don't fit our new way of life. Sanctification is the process of removing ungodly habits in our lives in exchange for new ones that reflect God's character and His Word. In discipling others, you may find it helpful to use the sanctification illustration from this episode's outline to help others understand the process of sanctification. Begin by teaching them that sanctification is both separation from sin and being set apart to God to be used by Him. The vertical line on the left indicates a person who has drawn lines in their life to separate themselves from sin and selfishness. But the goal isn't to merely live so near to sin that we're constantly fighting to avoid or abstain from it. The goal of sanctification is to consistently set ourselves apart to Christ, to turn our backs on sin and continually pursue righteous living. The vertical line on the right indicates a person who has drawn a line that separates themselves from those things that could in any way hinder their pursuit of godliness. Did you notice the arrow next to the phrase pursue Christ in the illustration? This signifies those committed to the process of sanctification by consistently moving in the direction of Christ's likeness. It may also be helpful to share James 4, 4-7 through 7 as you make disciples. It says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? But He gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This passage of Scripture clearly shows a dividing line between living for self and living for Christ. It also reminds us of our personal responsibility in the sanctification process by telling us to submit yourselves to God and to resist the devil. You may also want to use the sanctification illustration to show others that it's much more difficult to resist the devil from a position that is merely trying to avoid or abstain from sin. As you make disciples, it's often valuable to be prepared to share real-life examples of the subject you're talking about to help people consider how to apply truth in their own life. With this in mind, let's consider some examples of sanctification. Let's say that the Lord has been convicting you lately of spending too much time on your computer. So you draw a line in your life by choosing to set limits on the time you use on your computer, which is good. Yet, merely spending less time on your computer won't be enough to achieve sanctification. 
God's best would be to take additional steps, to draw additional lines, to invite the Lord to show you how He would want you to spend that time and then obediently follow His lead. Here's another example. Let's say that you are with friends who are gossiping. You draw a line by choosing not to join in. By doing so, you're abstaining from sin. Yet, a life set apart to Christ would draw an additional line. That may mean that you actually walk away from the conversation so you don't even hear the gossip or appear in any way to be participating in it. Remember, setting yourself apart from sin may be good, but setting yourself apart to Christ is a godly pursuit. Those you disciple may also ask you questions about what sanctification might look like in the details of their own lives. For example, sometimes a person may want to know how far they can move in a specific direction without it being considered sin. Along these lines, I've been asked before, how far can a person go physically in a dating relationship before it's considered sin? But those types of questions are focused more on avoiding sin rather than pursuing righteousness. So instead of discussing the possible answers to these types of questions, I find it beneficial to instead ask the person to consider whether they're asking the right question. In other words, is it possible that there are questions that could be asked that would focus on promoting sanctification rather than merely avoiding sin? Then I give them some sample questions like, what steps can I take to grow closer to Jesus? Or will the choices I'm considering develop holiness in me? I encourage you to help others to see that asking questions from a godly rather than a worldly perspective prompts us to make choices with sanctification in mind. And since the Bible tells us that we are sanctified by truth, one of the best questions to ask is, does the Bible have anything to say about the subject being considered? If so, then biblical truth should be the standard in their decision-making process. However, There are many things that the Bible doesn't specifically prohibit. In these instances, I often point people to Isaiah 48, 17. It says, This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Encourage those you disciple that God's Spirit will reveal His best path for their lives as they seek His wisdom and discernment one step at a time. Choosing to draw lines in our lives to separate those things that are merely good from God's best and separating those things that reflect biblical truth from those things that do not is instrumental in the sanctification process. And those who are resolved to the process will experience Jesus' thorough, transforming work in their lives. And in turn, God will get the glory. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, the Apostle Paul said, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Even though sanctification requires participation on our part, the actual work is God's. Just as God is the means by which we're saved, he is also the means by which we're sanctified. May we each allow God to do the thorough, transforming work of sanctification in our lives.